Amen. Good morning, guys. Uh, as Peter said, my name is Benji Cash. I've got the privilege uh, of coming to be with you guys from time to time. Uh, Brian is not with us this morning. If you will pray for him, he's somewhere in the last 5K of a half marathon. And so if you've never uh, ran a half marathon, Lord knows he would, uh, he'd appreciate uh, the prayers this morning. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull that out. We've got some guys that should uh, be walking those things around as well. We'd love to get one in your hand. If you don't have a Bible, uh, please take that one home. This is a gift from the church to you guys. Uh, we're going to continue in our Philippians series this morning. Uh, we'll be in Philippians 3, starting out in verse 12. And I loved, I loved last week, I loved listening uh, to Peter as he, he, he brought this comparison of Paul, basically saying in the first part of chapter 3, he's like, man, if anybody's got room to boast, like if anybody's got this Christian checklist, if anybody's got these accolades to check off in the faith, it was Paul. Like Paul had done all the things, and we'll get into it a little bit more later this morning. Like Paul, uh, he was a gold star Christian, uh, and he looks at his life, and he looks at all that he's done, and he's like, man, it means absolutely nothing. Like it's rubbish. Like I count this as uh, just a pile of garbage to throw out in the trash in comparison of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. And so Peter did a great job of, of drawing that comparison of like, we're not Hebrews, we don't put as much value on circumcision or being zealous for the church of persecution, but... Uh, we do count church attendance. Uh, we do count our acts and our, our righteous deeds, so to speak, sometimes as this checklist of things that validates us in the faith. And as Peter talked about and as he wrote, uh, as he, he taught from what Paul wrote, he's like, man, that stuff means absolutely nothing. He's like, as much as we may try to aspire to be something, as much as we may try to aspire ourselves to prove ourselves as worthy before Jesus, that stuff is worthless. So the only thing that holds any value is knowing this, this surpassing worth of what Jesus did for us on the cross and ultimately what he did for us through his resurrection. And if there's not faith in what Jesus did and a belief in who he is, then you can go ahead and throw out any other accolades that you guys have acquired. And so from this place, now Paul is going to spur the church on. And so I tell you this morning, like if you are a follower of Jesus, Paul is talking to you. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you're like, man, this is my first time in church. I don't know what this whole church thing is about. It's okay. Hang tight. Listen to it. Uh, we're going to learn and draw some things out. But I want to know, I want you guys to know, like, church, followers of Jesus, those who have been walking with, surrendered to, or here in community, Paul is speaking to us this morning. This is a message for us. This is Paul saying, hey, guys, it's time to get going. Like, we've, we've looked at your checklist. You, you've looked at your things. Like, we, we've gotten to this place of saying, man, that stuff doesn't matter now, hear me say, it's time to get in the game and get to work. Okay, so we're going to read Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12. We'll go through the end of the chapter. Paul starts out in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now I tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame, with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, 
And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body from the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Last September, uh, I got invited, uh, my, my, my mentor and I, Jason, his wife Sarah, part of our church, we were hanging out one day, and he's like, hey man, you want to go for a run? Jason's an avid runner, loves trail running, loves road running, and I had been uh, working out and played sports my whole life, and I thought, yeah man, we'll go for a run together, uh, and a little pompous and, and excited and eager to run with somebody, he said, man, how far do you want to go? And I thought, man, what's four miles, man? Let's just run four miles, right? So we started here at the church, and we we're going to take off and run down to the jail and run back. And we made it uh, almost down to the jail. Uh, and, man, things got really bad really fast uh, to the point where we got to the jail about two miles into this run. And I thought, I don't know if I'm going to make it back. Uh, we're two miles into this thing. We're about 15 or 20 minutes into this run. And I get to the jail, and Jace is just cruising. Uh, and we get there, and it is, it is rough goings for me. And we stop, and, and I'm sitting there huffing and sucking wind, and we end up having to have this come-to-Jesus meeting uh, while I can try to recover for a little while. And after about 10 minutes or so of, of kind of standing and recovering, Jason's like, are you, you know, are you good? And said, yeah, man, we're good. We'll head back. So we start running back, and man, maybe make it a half mile or so, and I'm tanked again. And we start walking, we start dragging a little bit. We make it back up here towards the post office. And I was like, all right, I think we're good. Start jogging a little bit more. And we make it down to about the corner store. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm, I got nothing left, man. I'm sorry. Uh, and JC was so gracious. He's like, that's okay. This is just like a rest day for me anyway. I was just trying to get some <laughs> extra miles in. And I was like, I appreciate that. So we get back, we get back from that run. Uh, and, and man, I'm super competitive. I grew up playing sports my whole life. My dad played sports. I played in college, and I played professional baseball. Like there's this, there's this drive of competitiveness I have in me. And so I got back that day, and like starkly remember y'all. I was like, that will never happen again. Like I will never get buried and embarrassed like that in a run again. And so more from pride than anything, I was like, I'm gonna start running. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like I had, I had some shoes that were like quasi work shoes in the yard, quasi like maybe you could run in these kind of shoes, right? And so I just started running. I was like Forrest Gump. I was like, man, I just felt like running. I don't know where I'm going, but we're just gonna run. And so I'd go out for my first couple runs and I was like, again, maybe two or three miles. And I was like, that's it. Like that's all I got to offer. Two or three days later, I go back out, and I'm like cranking out another two or three miles, and it's rough, y'all. Uh, but I start running, and, and, and as uh, I began to run in September, I was like, I need, a, I need a goal, right? So I've got this Strava app I was running with, and it pops up like this recommendation, like, would you like to run 60 miles in the next 30 days? And I thought, that seems ambitious, but let's, you know, let's go for it, you know? So we, we set this goal to run 60 miles, and by mid-October, I'd hit my 60-mile mark. And so mid-October rolls around, it's like, would you like to increase to 65 miles next month? And I thought, yeah, I want to increase to 65 miles next month. So we just take off running again. And I start running three or four miles at a time. And, and again, it's grueling at first, and it's hard, but I'm like, man, I'm getting somewhere. I can just get a little bit better. And I got to where I could run five miles and six miles at a time. But what I quickly learned, even in running, was that like, I need a purpose for running. Like, if you've ever just gone out and just ran, uh, after a few of those runs, you're like, this is pretty boring, <laughs> right? Like, uh, at least the weather's nice, and it, depending on what time of day you run, but like, this is boring. So I was like, I need a purpose to run for. And, and so I began to scroll on the internet, and I found that there was a half marathon here in Monroe later that December. And so I was like, great, I got like eight weeks or so, like I'm gonna train for this half marathon. At least it gives me some purpose in my training. And so I began to train, and I began to run seven miles and eight miles, and I began to try to learn to run, and I ran my first half marathon in December, and I loved it. 
And so I figured when I got down to half marathon, I thought, well, what's worse than a half marathon but a full marathon? So let's go ahead and plan to run a full marathon in April. I didn't know what we were doing, guys. Like, it was a lot of ambition. But so we set this target. I said, I'm going to run a full marathon in April. Uh, and there was a, a family friend of ours. He had run, get this, guys. He ran 37 consecutive Boston marathons. So, like, if you know anything about marathons, uh, to qualify for Boston is unbelievable. And he ran his last marathon when he was 78 years old. All right, so this guy is 83 now. He ran his last Boston marathon just a couple years ago at 78 years old. It took him like six hours. And this dude still almost every single day today at 83 years old runs. And so I went up to him and I was like, man, I need some help. Like I'm, I'm probably biting off more than I can chew right now. And he's like, you know, we got four months. That is pretty quick. But we'll see what we can do with four months. Uh, and so we started to train, man. He's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put together a plan for you. I'm going to help uh, teach you how to run better, better running technique, and, and, and trying to learn how what to eat. Uh, and honestly, more so what not to eat as to not have to go deep into the woods during some of those runs, which happened more than I'd care to admit, to be honest with you guys. But I learned to, to run. This guy began to coach me. He began to train me. He began to give me a purpose around trying to accomplish this goal I had set of running a marathon. And let me tell you, like, we get deep into this training. Like, and this was stuff was brutal, y'all. Like, you get into some of these long runs, and they're 14 miles or 17 miles or 21-mile runs. And we're running again in February and March, so it's 35 degrees outside, and it's windy, and it's cold. Like, it was not fun. Uh, but each day, I had to decide inside. I was like, man, I want to attain this goal. Like, there's this, this huge goal, this huge accomplishment that uh, is for nobody else other than myself. And I know if I want to get there, like, I've got to keep running. I've got to keep training. I've got to keep going. And so after about four months or so, we went uh, and down into South Georgia, and we ran this race uh, down in Podunksville, South Georgia. Uh, and it was great. And we finished it, and it was an unbelievable experience. And so we, we're going to use this comparison today because Paul, as he's in the church and speaking to the church of Philippi, they were uh, closely connected to uh, Greece. They were in that kind of Greek area. And so the Philippians uh, would have known and understand this concept of running. And so Paul would use these running analogies all throughout his letters. And to the Philippians, we kind of see this same picture here. And so again, coming off the heels of last week, he's like, man, any earthly gain that you guys have is absolute rubbish. Right, like, like we've talked about that already. Like it's your checklist. It doesn't mean nothing. Like your accolades, it doesn't mean any nothing. He goes, however, church, like we've still got work to be done. So he's spurring on the church now. So we're going to start out in verse 12. And he says, Paul starts out, he says, uh, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. So we're going to stop for a second. We're going to say, well, what is he talking about? Not that I've already obtained this. If you look back at verse 10 and 12. Paul's in essence saying, he's like, this is, I haven't become perfected. The Greek word for uh, already obtained is this idea of being complete. It's reaching or achieving this goal. So he says this, he goes, I haven't become perfected in knowing the power and the resurrection of Jesus. Like Paul says, hey man, like I, I've done a lot, I've accomplished a lot, but man, I haven't fully obtained this. He's like, there's still work to be done. I'm not completed in knowing the power of his resurrection. He says, this is uh, sharing in his suffering. Again, verses 10 and 11, we're, we're kidding this picture. He's like, I am not perfected in understanding and knowing the suffering that Jesus went through. He's like, man, like, I want to partner in this. I want to, to be able to experience and understand the suffering of Jesus. I think often I complain in suffering, right? Often I want to avoid suffering. But he says, no, no, I want to, to attain. I want to reach this goal. He says, this is becoming like him in his death. 
He's like, I haven't obtained this yet. I haven't achieved this level of knowing Jesus to the point of knowing him by dying like he did. And finally, in verse 11, he says, this is by any means possible attaining the resurrection from the dead with Jesus. In essence, Paul's saying, I have not perfected giving my all in everything I possibly have to Jesus so as to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul, he has achieved accolades beyond anything any of us will ever uh, come close to doing. And he looks here and he says, God, I I haven't been perfected. I haven't made it yet. There's still things in my faith that I'm working out. There is still training that needs to be done. I don't fully know and understand the resurrection of Jesus. So I'm going to keep pressing in. I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep desiring to know more. Like, man, like... Scripture would talk about, like, anybody who wants to come and follow Jesus, like, you are going to have to share in suffering as Jesus did. That is a good thing and a reward. Paul says, man, like, I've got some suffering in my life, but, man, there's still more that I know I'm going to have to press into. And I love the, final, the finality of that verse. He says, by any means possible, attaining the resurrection with Jesus from the dead. Paul's like, man, I, I, there, is, there is nothing that I would not give up to be able to, to, to know this resurrection life of living with Jesus one day in eternity. Paul said, but, but, but I haven't obtained this yet. Rather, like, this hasn't been a goal that I've reached, and so I've got to keep going. So Paul will continue, he says, so I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, because I haven't obtained this yet, yet I press on. He says, I keep going. I stay in the fight. Why? He says, man, because Christ Jesus has made me his. Everything hinges on this. He's like, man, I'm going to keep going because Christ Jesus has done everything to make me his. So Paul will give this this, this allusion to the fact, man, I'm going to press on to grow in Jesus. Like, I'm going to press on to follow and learn from him. I'm going to press on to continue to repent and flee from sin and follow him. I'm going to press on that by any means necessary, I'm going to give all and everything I have to serve and to follow him so as to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And using these analogies of racing, and as Brian, we said right now, he's in the midst of finishing this race that he's been training for for months. Paul's in essence saying like, man, we haven't received the medal at the end of the race simply by signing up. Like when I went and registered for that marathon in April, when I signed up for it in January, they didn't, win a, they didn't go ahead and just mail me my award right then and there. Or like I didn't get a medal in the mail. I didn't get some awards sent to me. And actually, uh, the award that I got, this is a true story, it is a dipped piece of firewood uh, and like some kind of glaze with a sticker on it. And I thought, come on, guys. Like, I know we're in South Georgia, but <laughs> for crying out loud, right? They didn't mail that to me ahead of time, thankfully. They're like, yeah, you come pick this one up. So Paul's, Paul's alluding to the fact that he's like, man, just because we sign up for the race doesn't mean you get your award. Hey, when you start following Jesus, it doesn't mean that all your award is immediately just given to you, right? Like, we live in a culture, like, we love participation awards, right? Like, if you're a seven-year-old, and I'm sorry, this is your seven-year-old, but if he's, on a, if he's the worst kid on the worst team in the league, your kid probably doesn't deserve a trophy at the end of the year. Like, I'm sorry, right? Like, he's got to earn it, right? Like, we've given this illusion that, hey, if you just sign up, man, you get an award, if you just sign up, you just show up, you're just here, Johnny, good time to play the game, and you get an award. And Paul's like, that's not the way it works in faith, guys. Right? Like, what he's not saying is, we talked about this last week, and hear me say, I'm not saying that you've got to somehow earn your way to Christ. Right? Like Peter touched on that last week. It is by faith and belief solely in Jesus 
that we are reconciled and have relationship with the Father. Paul will say, as James will say, he's like, however, he goes, if you have a faith without works, if you've got a faith that is not producing works out of it, he goes, it is a dead faith. So Paul says, hey, I'm not saying that you've got to earn your way to Jesus. What I am saying is when you sign up for the race to follow Jesus, there is still training and work that needs to be done. He said, there is more. I have not obtained the end goal. So man, I keep training. Man, I keep pressing on. Man, I keep giving all I've got to know Jesus more. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd write this down. He, he, I love this, this idea that like the church can't sort of follow Jesus. Like to give Jesus some is to give him absolutely nothing at all. Like we can't just like sort of sign up and say, like, man, like God, I sort of want to follow Jesus and I'm just going to try to do a little bit here and a little bit there and maybe I'll, I'll attain this goal at the end. It'd be like signing up for this race and be like, I'm, I'm probably not going to train uh, but I'm going to hope and show up on the day of the race. It hope it goes really well. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be unbelievable. That'd be insane, right? And so to give Jesus uh, a little bit, I mean, I'm going to give you some, is ultimately to give him nothing because we are reserving things and we are not releasing in a full surrender. So Paul ex expresses, he's like, man, I press on because I want to receive the prize and the goal of the resurrected life with Jesus. And I know, man, that there's still work. The church, as followers of Jesus, man, there's still things that we've got to do. There is still work to be done. Verses 13 and 14, he says, brothers, I don't consider that I've made it. But he says, one thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead i press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in christ jesus and, and again we'll look at this and we'll think what do you mean paul like paul you haven't made it man like of all the churches you've planted like of all the books of the bible you've written of all the people that have come to know and to follow jesus because of you you haven't made it and if we can look and read at a guy like paul and be like man if that dude Recognizes, like, gosh, man, I still got work to do. Then what does that say about us? What, what, what does that need to remind us of? Like, man, there's still things that need to be done. It'd be like Michael Phelps saying, like, man, I just, I've, I've got more work. I got more medals to try to acquire. And we'd be like, bro, you've gotten every accolade in swimming that could ever be. Like, you've gotten every gold medal. You've got every, all these records. You, like, you have done enough, man. It's time to retire. Like, we could easily look at that kind of same comparison that we look at our culture and war and be like, man, you've done it. You have reached the pinnacle. And Paul says it means nothing when it comes to following Jesus. None of those churches planted. None of those people that have come to know Jesus through my teaching. None of my suffering. None of that stuff. Like, man, like I, I don't count that as credit to me. What I count as a credit is knowing this resurrected life with Jesus and for that Paul is urging the church man like keep going so we say well Paul like what's your secret then man like how do you have this view of continuing this to press on and I almost imagine this is straight conjecture this is not in the scripture at all but I almost imagine like 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 Paul just like leaning in just a little bit and then like a gentle but yet full of truth like this powerful tone almost leaning in he's like man I forget what lies behind me He's like, man, I, I don't stay stuck in the past, whether that's good or whether that's bad. I, I don't stay bound up to things that have happened yesterday. 
Man, if there's heartache, if there's been struggle, if there's been hard things, like, man, I gotta let that go. If there's successes, if there's great mountaintops, like, man, I've gotta let that go as to not grow complacent, as to not grow weary. Paul says, my secret, in essence, to continuing to press on, the way that I don't count my checklist as worthy of anything is that I forget what lies behind me. Like in some of these long runs and, and, and prepping for this marathon, like I'd go out, man, and my body would hurt. Like you get into these long runs and it's cold outside and you're by yourself. Like there were so many of these runs where I would get going. I specifically remember being on Snow's Mill Road one day. And I was on mile like six or seven of a 14-mile run. And I was like, what am I doing out here? <laughs> like... This, there's this real, like, come to Jesus moment. Like, I'm running by myself. It's freezing cold. I'm going up this hill, and I think, why am I doing this? Like, nobody cares if I finish. Right? Like, I could quit right now, and you know who would care? Nobody. You know who cares if I finish? Nobody. So why am I continuing to do this? And I would go one more step and one more step, and I'd, I'd get down the run, and I'd drag my butt back in the house. And the next day before I went on the next run, I would have to forget what happened yesterday. Otherwise, I would stay bound up and caught up in this pity party of like, man, it's just hard. Like, I don't want to go run today. But a secret that Paul alludes to is like, man, I've got to forget yesterday's run. I've got to forget the hardship of yesterday. I've got to forget how bad some of that stuff hurts. Maybe I had a good run. And man, I've got to put that back aside. I mean, I've got to forget. I can't assume that today is going to be like yesterday. So Paul says, I forget what lies behind. I've got to let those things go. And I've got to look ahead. Man, like, I've got to keep moving forward. I've got to keep pressing in. For those runs, I have to say, man, I've got to forget how bad that run yesterday hurt. And I've got to keep moving. And I'd say for us, there is a lot of days following Jesus that are going to feel like that. It's going to feel like running alone up a hill at 35 degrees by yourself. There's going to be a lot of days, guys, where as you follow Jesus, uh, I, I, I want to I tell you, if, you, if you came to know Jesus and started following Jesus because somebody lied to you and said your life is immediately going to get easier and better, I'm sorry, but that's not true. Like, yes, there is peace. Yes, there is comfort. Yes, man, we've got this power with the Holy Spirit that nothing can come against. But, man, life just doesn't get easy all of a sudden. Like, there's still death and pain. Man, marriages are still hard. Raising kids is still a mess. There's muddy relationships. Like, Satan is the prince of this world who is still stirring and wreaking havoc around us. Like, life's still hard. And to follow Jesus sometimes might feel like waking up thinking, like, dang it, man. I'm tired. Like, I feel beat up. Man, like, I, I just don't know that I want to get out of bed this morning and go back into my closet and get back on my knees and pray about the same stuff over and over again because I've been praying about it for months and nothing seems to be changing, man. I'm tired. Paul says, man, if you find yourself in this place, this secret to continuing to press on to know Jesus, is, man, you gotta, you got to leave yesterday behind you. Jesus on... The Mount, uh, the Mount of Beatitudes will say like, hey guys, man, like you, you, can't, you can't worry about tomorrow. Paul will say you can't worry about yesterday. You got to trust that God provides manna for today. And he's going to give you what you need today to continue on. So why do we keep straining? Paul says in verse 14, we do this for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Like that's it. Like why do you keep going? 
Why do you keep leaning in? Why do you keep going to your prayer closet? Why do you keep showing up to that Bible study? Why do you keep coming to church to worship? Man, because I want to receive the goal. I want to receive the medal, the reward, the crown at the end of this race that is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I want to get to the end of this race and know I gave everything I got. Man, Lord, I sold out my life to serve you. Man, man I, I jacked it up. I missed some days. Man, I, I might have cheated my training a little bit here and there, and I recognized it. I said, no, Lord, I want to keep pressing in. I want to keep going. I want to keep knowing you. I want to keep leaning in deeper. Why? Gosh, man, I just want the reward of being able to be called up to heaven with you one day. So I press in, man. I lean in. I got to forget the hard things. I can't get so caught up in what's to come, but I got to press in, and I've got to keep going for today. In verse 15, Paul will write, and he'll say, let those of us who are mature think in such a way. Hey, believers, church, let those of you who are mature, let those of you who are not babies, let those of you who have been walking with the Lord think in such a way. He'll say, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. If you find yourself in a place where it's like, man, that's not my mindset right now. I mean, I wake up more days than not thinking, I just, I just don't have it in me. And my encouragement for you is, man, pray and ask the Lord, as Paul promises here, that God will reveal, reveal this way of thinking to you. That you who are mature think in such a way that I've got to keep going, man. I've got to keep pressing in. There is still work to be done. Verse 17, Paul will write, he says, Brothers, join then, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So in all this, Paul is in essence saying, hey, come with me. Hey, man, see the life that I live. He's writing to the church, like, come, in, come imitate me. I want you to come and run with me. Join me. Recently, there was a guy that I've gotten to know who was training for the Athens half here in a couple weeks. And he came, he's like, man, I need help running. Like, he works out a little bit, but he's not a runner. And he's like, I know you've, you've, you've run and you've trained, you've done these things. Will you help me? And I said, man, I'd love to. Like, I'd love to help write a plan for you. I'd love to help uh, do those things. But what's more important than any of that is say, hey, come with me. Like, come run with me. Come to my house. Let me go on a run with you. Let me watch your cadence. Let me watch the way your feet strike the ground. Let me watch the way that you breathe. Come with me. Because, man, we're going to get into some of these long runs. Today, I think he's running 12 miles today before his prep. So we've ran eight miles together, nine miles together, 10 miles, 11 miles these last couple weeks together. And let me tell you, there is something different in training when you have somebody to come with you. When you've got a young believer, when you've got somebody young and immature in the faith, some of you mature believers who Paul says, you need to think in such a way as to go and say, hey, come with me. Like, hey, man, I, I, yes, I'd love to, to help you. I can send you that text devotional every morning, and I can send you that I'm praying for you. But, man, how much more impactful and deepening is that discipleship experience where I say, hey, Wes, come with me. Peter, let's, let's go together. Like, come on, man, let's, let's go and do this thing together. Because I'll tell you guys, again, when it's 35 outside and you got a 17-mile run, you know who wants to go run with you? Nobody. <laughs> and it's lonely. And it's boring. 
But when you can have somebody who says, hey, man, come on, I'll go with you. Come on, man, we'll, we'll run together. Those miles fly by. That hour and a half of running goes by just like that. Now, you still feel the pain. You're still sore the next day. But when you are running and when you are straining and when you are in the mix of the fight, man, it's so much easier. So Paul will say, come with me, mature believers. Go and get those young ones that you see. Those young believers that's like, man, early on in my running, when I was just out there aimlessly running back and forth and, and look like a mess, it's to say, hey, man, I see you trying. Hey, man, I see that you want it. Come with me. If you find yourself young in the faith, my encouragement to you is look for those guys that have been running. Look for those women that have been running for a long time and say, man, can I come with you? Can you teach me? Can I come and run this journey with you? This is what discipleship looks like, guys. Like using the running illustrations, like it's so simple. It's like, of course, if I'm training somebody, why would I not bring them with me to train? But somehow we separate that in faith. And we say, to disciple you is to send you a Bible verse or tell you to read this book. And Paul's saying, no, man, like you got to imitate me. I need to show you. I want to walk with you. I want to do life with you. This is what discipleship looks like. It's to run this race of life together. And let me tell you again, it is so much easier when you have somebody you're running with. It is so much easier. However, in verse 19, Paul will say, there is still some. So in verse 18, he says, for many of whom I've often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the Christ. He says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. And just as I learned, man, most individuals, they don't want to go train. They don't want to go run with you when it's hard and when it's long and when it's cold. Most people are rather satisfied with feeding their bellies, with eating the next meal, with, with having that next drink, with the comfort of the couch, with laying in bed, with sleeping in, with the warmth of a blanket. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's easier, Right? Like, we don't like to go and do hard things because it's uncomfortable. It's just easier to do the easy thing. And Paul will say, man, like, you got to know there's people that their God is not the God. Their God is their bellies. They're just seeking the next satisfaction. They're just seeking the next little bit of pleasure. They just want what's easiest. And so to go out and run sometimes, it's lonely because nobody wants to go. He says their God is their bellies, but in doing so, their end is destruction. They glory in shameful things. I mean, like the things that we should not be proud of, those that walk apart from Christ, they glory somehow in things that bring shame, things that we should not be proud of, things that we are not to partake in. And they've got minds set on earthly things. They seek that which comforts and pleases them only. They have no desire to really know God. They've got no desire to really train themselves in the faith. Paul says, you've got to know there's a lot like that. So those runs at times are going to feel lonely because it's hard to get excited about wanting to go and do hard things. And it's hard to try to go encourage those to come with you. And he moves on, and I want to say this and express this and tell you, church, that you, however, though, are to be different. You, as the church of Jesus Christ, you are called to be different. You are called to go and do hard things. I mean, like, you are called to go and get up out of bed and keep pressing in. 
You were called to continue to go and continue to go to that place of prayer, petitioning God. You were called to continuously still come to this place of worship, to join together, to submit under God's word, and to worship together. You are to be different. Man, like those that want to stay in bed and they want to, to go and eat the next best food and they want to satisfy themselves with pleasure and satisfaction, that's not to be you. You are to look and to be different. Paul will wrap it up in verse 21. Why? He said, because your citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. He says, man, keep going. Don't be like those who have subjected themselves to a God of satisfaction. Don't subject yourself to those who glory in shameful things. Don't subject yourself to be one who is only concerned about earthly things. That is not to be who we are. If you find yourself living a life and walking a path that looks no different from the world, man, you need to take a real check. If I'm training for a marathon and I find myself and my patterns each day to align myself with somebody who has no ambitions to run a marathon, I need to assess that I'm probably doing something wrong. We are not going in the same direction. But when there is a goal set before us, when we are seeking to attain this resurrection life with Jesus, it's going to look different than the way everybody else is going. There are things that we are going to implement in our life that is different than what the world wants. And Paul will say, mature believers, you got to go get the young ones because they're easier to get sucked in. Hey, man, go and find those ones that are really bad on each day to be like, man, I'd way rather stay in bed with my buddies. I'd way rather stay up late and play video games. I'd way, ra uh, way rather go eat Taco Bell for dinner tonight. He's like, hey, man, go get them. You got to go bring them with you. And young believers, you got to seek out those who have been training and running this race for a lot longer than you. Because if you don't, just man, your God is your belly. You got minds set on earthly things. And he says, ultimately, their end is destruction. At the end of the training and all the work put in, I was able to, to play second overall in this marathon. And through the process of training and the pressing on and forgetting the bad days and striving toward, my body grew and, and fitness. It got healthier. It got stronger. And I was able to run and run so successfully. And there was early on when in my faith journey, I mean, like, days were hard. Like, it was, it was hard to get up and keep pressing in. But one step at a time, I said, Lord, I, I want to know you. I want to I walk a little bit closer with you. And it got easier. And your stamina grows, and what you were able to take on in life gets a little bit easier. And though it may feel right now like, man, you can only run a few miles spiritually, my encouragement and Paul's encouragement and his urgency in this letter is, man, don't give up. And there's too much at stake. There is too much on the line to just give up. You gotta keep going. You gotta press on. A couple quick things and wrap it up. How do we how do we kind of draw these comparisons? The first thing I learned in the training was one, you need a running buddy. Like you need community. You've got to have somebody that you're going and training with. It's hard and it's lonely to run this life and run this journey alone. You gotta have community. One of the other things I had to buy when I was training was I had to get a good pair of shoes. It's like, man, going out and running in those lawn care shoes that I was training in, like, it wasn't getting it done. 
I had to go put in some money. I had to go put in some shoes. I could take the pounding. They could take the support. They could support my body for these long runs. And I'd say the comparison to that is like, man, you need accountability partners. You need mentors. Who are your 2 a.m. people? Who are those people in your life that are helping support you as you run? Who are those that are coming alongside you? Who are those that are coming and supporting you? The next thing I would do on every run is I would have this bladder pack, fill it up full of electrolytes and water, and I would suck down these goos that are the worst things you've ever put in your body. But on these long runs, man, like I had to have nourishment. I had to have something that was replacing all of the things that I was exerting out of my body. It was vital for my runs. And so for us as followers of Jesus, it's that question, man, where are you getting your nourishment from? A couple things I would say is like what we're doing right now, Sunday worshiping gatherings, like this is nourishing to us. This is refreshing for our week. Having... uh, having Sabbath and solitude and rest throughout the week. Like, we need space throughout the week to where we are being refreshed. We've got to set aside intentional time through rest and Sabbath and worship that is refreshing us. It's refueling us. Otherwise, you're going to run, and you're going to run, and you're going to run, and you're going to burn out quick, and you're going to have nothing left to finish. Last two things. I had to have a coach. Like, I needed somebody that was giving me direction for running. I would equate this to the scriptures, that reading the scripture and, and knowing the word, it helps give us direction and, and, and understanding for us to press on. It, it is the coach, it is the training tool, it is that thing that is showing us, hey man, here's how you keep running, here's what you need to do. And lastly, I would say is you need a training plan. Like there had to be intentionality throughout the week. If I was on the road, if I was going to the track, or if I was lifting, like there, there had to be a training plan. There had to be something put in place that was intentional. So I would ask, like, what's your spiritual training plan? Do you have a daily rhythm with Jesus? Are you daily spending time in prayer? Are you daily spending time in the Word? What is that daily spiritual training program that you're putting in for, your, uh, for yourself? We're going to move into a time now of prayer and worship. We got communion on both sides of the room. And I'm real, man, I'm, I'm thankful you guys are here this morning. I'm thankful that you guys have come to worship with us. We're going to settle into this, this place of reflection for a few minutes, settle into this place of prayer. Communion on both sides of the room, it is for the believer. It is this opportunity to come and to take of the body uh, and the blood of Jesus, just to reflect for a minute of what Jesus did for us in making us his own so that we would continue to press in and press on and press forward for him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for Paul's words. Thank you for his encouragement. Lord, I pray that you will illuminate to us the areas that we need to continue to press on. Lord, will you bring people around us that will help us uh, to run with and to run alongside. God, for those who are tired, for those who are weary, Lord, will you give them the strength that they need this morning? Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place as we worship yet again.